The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. This is the American Family Radio Network, and the operative word is family. Hi, Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. And today, as we begin exploring the word today, very special conversation we're going to have with Maria Hamilton regarding the Marriage and Family Life Conference 2022. The theme is Here I Stand. And uh, Bert, uh, it's been said that it, everything rises or falls on the state of the family. So I'm excited to talk about this wonderful uh, third upcoming Marriage Family Life Conference that's uh, not that far away. It's the subject to talk about, isn't it? It is, and it has grown and grown and continues to grow, and we praise the Lord for that. I've been in two and just enjoyed them. This year, I'm not. They've got a lineup that's going to bless you and that's what we want. We want God to be glorified and the people to be blessed. That's the whole idea. By that blessing, they'll be equipped. And uh, we we do need to be equipped in the day that we live in for even family life. Used to, it was just kind of passed on down. A lot of times, grandparents lived with the parents, and uh, they had generational training. And so much is lacking today. So the the need for such a conference like this, Alex, is is indescribable. I'd say this. It is so great. And today, our guest is Maria Hamilton. Maria, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bert. Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm doing great. It was good to see you guys down in Nashville a few weeks back at yes. um, National Religious Broadcasters. And I want to say thanks for uh, lending your husband to us. Abraham <laughs> Hamilton III has spoken for me in so many conferences uh, you've been very gracious with your time, but we appreciate everything that you and your wonderful family stand for. Thank you. Thank you for those words. Well, one of the funniest things, and I got to get, Abe came just to be an attorney. We we, we, we <laughs> yeah. lost the corporate attorney, and uh, he was recommended. He came on board, and we found out gifts that we did not know we were getting, and along now comes Maria. We get even additional to that because she is going to be the director of the Youth Apologetics Track, uh, ages 4 through 12, for the conference. Uh, it's kind of like two conferences in one, isn't it, Maria? Yeah, that's right. It's interesting um, that uh, Will and Miki, you know, when they got the vision from God to start this conference, how uh, intentional they were about making sure that we provided something for the children. And usually, you know, when you, uh, if you're familiar with conferences, you know, you would have the conferences aimed toward the adults, which we are going to provide a lot of good content for them. But then the children are usually just, you know, entertained uh, while the parents are able to do what they need to do and, and, and receive. And so for us, we wanted to be really intentional about making sure the children receive the meat of God's word and that they are equipped alongside their parents when they attend. So we, we do, we, we elevate this youth apologetics track high on the, on the list of importance here. Oh, so, so real quickly, the, you're going to do four through 12. That's right. And we've got ages, uh, 13 through 17 covered. Yes. And uh, boys and girls. Yes. Yes. Amen. So that's going to be, Alex, uh, you know a lot about apologetics. This sounds like something that is needed. You know how desperately we need this, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, 25 years ago, Maria, when I started doing youth apologetics, people were kind of like, what? But Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled that you're doing that because it is so urgently needed. And let me just ask you this. uh, what, What are some of the cultural trends 
that demand a response from faithful Christians. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when we when we look at really the world around us, when, when we look at the, the, the state of our country and the state of our young people, and really when we look at, you know, media and everything that's happening around us, it, it's grieving to the believer. It should be grieving, you know, the, the, the cultural trends, the things that children are being attracted to, the things that are consuming them um, for the body of Christ. Those things should not be uh, infiltrating into the families that are uh, godly uh, families, families that are endeavoring to train their children in the way they should go, which, of course, is biblical training. Uh, those, those trends, those things that are happening in our world should not be attractive. But we see within the body of Christ many, many children uh, being consumed by the ways of the world. And so one of the things that I know we know is happening and is ever-present, and I'm dealing with this in my own home often with media is, you know, the LGBTQ agenda, and we have the, the attack on marriage and the attack on, on, on human sexuality, the, the misunderstandings and the abuse, the perversion, the utter perversion that is uh, coming in through uh, media into our homes. That's huge. We're wanting to make sure that children that attend this conference are equipped uh, to handle these issues and really to be able to be fortified against these attacks from the enemy. Let me suggest those of you who are listening, come to this uh, if you're a pastor and a Sunday school teacher you need to be equipped on how to do this uh, I, I come across this quite often Alex and the people that I talk with well I know they need it but I haven't been trained in order to give it and at this conference the adults can be, get that training and then the children are getting that so it, you get a, a both and you get the best of both sure. worlds and with that in mind uh, let me tell the dates real quickly because we need to do that two or three times because uh, during the year, you know, you got to put something down pretty quick or right. other things are crowded in. It's July the 7th, 8th, and 9th. July the 7th, 8th, and 9th. It's here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and it's going to be Bank Corp South Arena, and there's plenty of, of available tickets, but you got to go online to get those tickets, and you can do that right now. And uh, in order to do that, I was looking where they could go, and uh, it's real simple. It's a website, and uh, I must have laid it aside. Here it is. Marriage family. Yeah, there it is. Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Uh, All one word, marriagefamilylife.net. Super easy. Marriagefamilylife.net. This is July 7 through 9 at the Bancor Arena, Tupelo, Mississippi, which, by the way, is a beautiful facility. And, And let me just say, if you're listening, no matter where you are in America, uh, Tupelo is wonderful, the friendliest city in America. I mean, I've been there a hundred, probably a hundred times. All kinds of hotel, restaurants, super easy parking around the arena. So this is just going to be a joy. And I know the best part of all is going to be the content that you get, the speakers that you hear. And uh, I'm Maria, I, I just applaud you guys putting this together. Because our culture and our children, our families need this. So um, let me ask you, what, what do you say to the mom and dad that are trying to, you know, disciple their children in the ways of the Lord? First of all, what are the responsibilities of mom and dad regarding Christian discipleship? Yeah, I think we are growing up in, a, in an era, particularly in the body of Christ, where we think that the youth group is uh, responsible for discipling our children or the pastor or the uh, you know Christian organization, but in reality, biblically speaking, we need to embrace and understand um, that it is our it is a it is a calling it is a mandate given to the parents 
Um, if we look at Deuteronomy, uh, we, we understand that for the Israelites particularly, you know, it was, it was a strong understanding for the Jews that it was their responsibility to train up the children to love Christ and to put God first. And so when we, when we think of those things, we think on Sunday at church. But in reality, if we just limit training our children to just the hour on Sunday, whether it's Sunday school or even if it's Sunday and Wednesdays, it's not enough. And the world knows it, right? The educational system has gotten a hold of that. And they realize, sure. wait a minute, we spend, you know, eight hours a day, Monday through Friday with them, pouring into them all kinds of doctrine, all kinds of understanding, really indoctrinating them um, in the ways of the world. And here we are Christians on Sunday, hoping that the youth pastor will, will um, you know, minister to our kids and, and disciple them. In reality, discipleship is a 24-hour, you know, 24-7 job. And, and it, is, it is primary for, for us as parents to be able to do that. And I'll tell you, uh, it is not something that comes um, easily. There are sacrifices to be made. But, man, if we understand the value, the value in what we have as children, the value in that the reality is that they are going to either serve the Lord or they're going to be consumed by the culture. That's the only two options. And so it is It is a huge, huge, huge responsibility for parents. But I'll tell you this, that we have tools. God has not left us alone. God has given us many, many tools. And this weekend is one of those tools. Of course, just three days, right? It's small. I can't promise you that your children will be discipled in three days. Um, but what the conference does. It's a that jump start, it, though. There we it? go. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an encouragement, right? It's an encouragement. Families coming together, understanding the, the magnitude of what it means to train up your children to love Jesus, to put him first. And not only for the children, but of course for the parents, everybody understanding that vision, man, and then being surrounded by other believers that are attempting to do the same thing is powerful. And but I'll you tell know you, what, go Maria, ahead, go ahead. Yes. I was going to tell you, we've done like four dozen conferences in 25 years, for real. Yes. And people come up to me and they'll say, you know, Alex, you don't remember me, but you were in Denver, Colorado in 2003 and it changed our family forever. Come on. And, and you know, folks, July 7 through 9, this coming up this summer. And by the way, there's so much to see. Tupelo is beautiful. There's just all kinds of history all around. This could be your summer trip, people. July 7 through 9, Bancor Arena South, the Marriage Family Life Conference. Here's the thing. Uh, you invest three days, but it will count for a lifetime. Yeah. It, I've heard this everywhere. And so um, this is something I would just urge people to come to. One last thing, and Maria, I'll throw it to you, but it, the website, marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. And um, hey, man, if Abe Hamilton is speaking, you know uh, that you don't want to miss that. <laughs> He'll bring the house down. <laughs> yeah, he will. You don't want to miss him. But I'll, I'll tell you this. My uh, journey as a believer has been... Um, has been transformative and and in in light of this conference is it's huge the reason i'm involved in it at all y'all i i am married to my husband i have six children and i homeschool them that's all i do i don't do anything else other than that which to me that's huge and it's a lot but that's Amen. what i do the reason i'm involved in this is because i was trained i i grew up with atheism being my reality okay the lord captures my heart at 16 I get transformed, but I have questions. I had questions about the faith. Legitimate questions. Legitimate questions yes. that, listen, I would, I'm going to just, just jump out there and say 90%, if not 99%, 100% of our children are asking these questions. But we not, we're not answering them for the most part in the, in the churches on Sundays. We're not answering them because we think children are not able to grapple with the meat of the word of God, but they are, they Amen. are. Amen. And so if we don't give Amen. them the answers, the world is going to give them answers, but they're going to be lies. I was, I was immersed in lies. 
I was. Evolution, perversion of every kind, I was immersed in that. The Lord saves my soul, and then I start asking him questions. Not questioning him, but answering genuine, honest questions. And God was answering my questions. So I'm involved in this because I know children have questions, and I want to answer the questions. I had questions like, what about dinosaurs? Did they fit in the ark? That seems sure. very insignificant, but I will tell you, for the faith of That's a young huge, child, yes, for them to be able to say, I can trust the word of God, that is priceless. So I, the, my goal is to be able to pour into the children this weekend, that this uh, on July, to be able to get them to understand that the word of God is reliable, it is trustworthy, it is true. You can live your life, like laying your life down for the Lord because the word of God um, re recommends it, suggests it, you know, it's, 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 it's worthy. God is worthy of our laying our life down and it could be trusted. He could be trusted, you know? And so I think if we're able to answer their questions, then their, their faith is be fortified. Let me Amen. say this. We hadn't got Amen. a lot of time, but when I, I'm young enough or old enough, I should say that I had such a support group. It was in my home. It was in my church. It was even Praise in God. the schools. And I can say it was even educational. Leave it to Beaver. Beaver father knows best. I mean, you know, it was compounded, but in Not our anymore. day, it we're blessed if we have the church. That's exactly right. And that's what we want to do. We want the church to be equipped to come along with the parents whose job it is to disciple them. And when they come together, you got a cord that is strong. And that's what this conference is about. Again, Maria, thank you so thank much you for, for being me, with us today. And that is July. Uh, 7th through the 9th. Y'all guys have got it down, <laughs> and, and you can go to the website. MarriageFamilyLife.net. .net, and you can register and be a part of that. You want to do it now and get your name on the list. Maria, thank you again for thank being with us today. We'll be back with more of Exploring the Word right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Rita Jo Lewis, President and Chair of the Export-Import Bank of the United States. Her bank helps with financing and facilitating U.S. imports of goods and services. Deuteronomy 8.18 reminds us that the ability to conduct business comes from God. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Rita Joe Lewis at the Export-Import Bank. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. And we are joining together to pray the vote details at pausetopray.org. It's good when the things we accomplish bring us satisfaction. But Dr. Tony Evans says the problems begin when we take it a step further. You'll want to turn to Isaiah 48, 11 as we spend two minutes with Tony. You must be to God what the moon is to the sun. The moon reflects the light of the sun on the earth. So light hits it, but the moon can't keep it. The moon got to pass it on the planet earth because it has no light of its own. So if you give me glory and I own it and don't reflect it, I'm sharing glory that belongs to somebody else. The source of light on the earth comes from the sun and is merely reflected by the moon. 
So when you give me glory or I give you glory, make sure you go back to the source and give recognition, God, I ain't taking your glory. All I'm doing is a pass through. They gave me some recognition for writing a study Bible, but it's your Bible, it's your book. So you get the glory. And the moment any man, any woman, any preacher, any politician who takes the glory to themselves and doesn't pass it on to God has insulted God because God will not share it sooner or later. You gonna bow to the glory of God. So you might as well do it now voluntarily since he's gonna make you do it later mandatorily. Discover how prayer can grow from a ritual into a relationship with the help of Tony's CD series, The Lord's Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit and He's given us new life. We Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you today. And uh, we're in the Song of Solomon, chapter 7, probably in chapter 8. But in chapter 7, go to the end. The first few verses are close to repeating what was said in chapter 4, describing uh, his wife with language that is so picturesque, and you can read it, and it's very similar, and it talks about it. But listen to his conclusion in verse 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. After the Shulamite heard how Solomon described her, and described his love for her, she said, I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. This is what you want in your marriage. This is what you want also in your relationship with Christ. You've been bought with a price. You are his and your desire is to glorify and please him. But the same thing in marriage is husband and wife serving one another, sharing with one another. Again, Alex, chapter 7 is a beautiful chapter concerning uh, that description that, that he gives. But I love her response in verse 10. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am my beloved's and his desires toward me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Um it is beautiful love, and, you know, the, the desire of both is met, that they are together. And, uh, you know, let me say this, and I know this is in, in many ways a series of uh, parables almost, marital love between a husband and wife. Now in the light of uh, the New Testament, we can see that in some ways it's a, an allegory of the relationship between Christ and the church. But let me say the desire of spouses should be for each other. The desire of the Christian should be for the Savior, the head of the church. Um, desire correctly placed is a beautiful, life-giving thing. Uh, desire uh, incorrectly applied can be so destructive. Am I right? You are right on. And, and the response, no, I, one more thing I, I thought was so good about verse 11. Come, my beloved, let us go forth to the field. Come in a way, a husband and wife having time for one another alone many times. Uh, when children come and when the work, and, and now the work, both working outside the home and the responsibilities, 
and the time to come aside and to just share with one another. We've talked a lot about Dr. Gary Chapman and the five love languages. Oh, one yes. of those is quality time. And I, I want to say, when you're raising your children, we were just talking to Maria Hamilton, Abe Hamilton's wife, and they have six children. So the need for a husband and wife to find some time each day, yeah, it may be 20 minutes, it may be 30, where they can talk and spend quality time, but also uh, during the week, a special time, but in the year, find that time. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the village. There's that time of getting away. Let's take yeah. it back spiritually, Alex. What did Jesus do? He would he, pull away from yeah. the crowd so he could spend time with those 12 apostles, didn't he? Well, and yeah, and, and by the way, I want to encourage you to read chapter 7. It's very beautiful language about love between a husband and wife. But um, a, a very famous pastor years ago, I was at a conference, and this pastor said that uh, families ought to budget and make not only time, but finances to take a vacation and get away as a family. And couples get away, you know, for um, love and time alone with your spouse. And somebody said, well, that's not very spiritual. You know, you need to work and, uh, you know, invest in, in the ministry. Uh, and that's true, of course. But I want to say this, and Bert, you correct me if I'm out of school here. I don't think the good Lord expects us to just work until we drop. And I think a theology could be made out of uh, Song of Solomon 7.11 to take a, a retreat, time away, call it a, a vacation or a little bit of alone time. The word there, when the, the old King James says, let us lodge in the villages, and the word really means abide or pass the night. Um, <laughs> this is a couple's getaway. Song of Solomon 7-11, isn't it? It is, and I agree with you fully. And the whole idea here is that you have time for one another. Uh, yesterday we talked about that, that when uh, he came knocking at the door and she did not respond quick enough and he left and she went looking for him. Uh, what you want to have, that demonstrates what they didn't. He, they didn't make time for each other like they should planned. Now, here in verse 7, I think is a response to that, Alex, in verse 11, let us go forth. Not me, uh, but let us do this. Let us spend this time together. And and then it moves to verse uh, chapter 8, and you may want to refer back, but I want to tie this in. Uh, verse 7, uh, verse 1, uh, that you were like my brother. In other words, brothers and sisters, I was reading two or three commentaries, and they agreed on this. Brothers and sisters in public could, like, hold hands and share with one another. Uh, do you remember, uh, uh, was it Isaac or uh, Abraham? And he was, uh, he and uh, his wife, uh, Sarah, they were kind of, you know, sharing with one another, and they, mm -hmm. uh, they picked it up. This is a husband and wife. Well, in the Jewish culture, even husband and wives did not show public uh, con affection for one affection, another. Yes. They did not. But a brother and sister could. They could hold hands or whatever. So this idea of being my brother or wishing you as my sister had the idea of I wished I could publicly share and, and, and let people know. I want to go there just for a second. Uh, don't be afraid to hold your wife's hand uh, after church, go into the car. Uh, let everybody see that relationship that you have. You have time for one another. That when you stand together, that you can put your arm around her shoulder and 
and, and stand there close to one another. It, it speaks loudly. It really does. It makes a statement. And so that uh, you don't want to overdo it. We're not talking about public displays of affection that would make others feel uncomfortable. But we are talking about that of, of letting others know uh, the whole idea. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Alex, uh, that's not a bad idea to let people know that uh, publicly, is it? Well, that's true. That's true. Um, and, you know, let me just say, men, to show appropriate amounts of your uh, of affection for your wife, you know, that sends a good message. It sends a good message that, uh, hey, you've got one name of the person you love, and that's, that's your spouse. Now, verse 4 of chapter 8, Song of Solomon, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you stir not up nor awaken my love until he please. Really, what's that? That's really a way of talking about something appropriate. Uh, there's balance here. There's a public display of affection, but nothing illicit, nothing, you know, too much. But it's, it's an appropriate, healthy measure of visible affection. Now, 5 through 7, um, the bridegroom is, speaks about the one coming up from the wilderness. And here's, again, commitment. Verse 6, Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave, the coals thereof are the coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Do you know what um, Proverbs talks about uh, taking the strange woman? Uh, It's like you might as well... Imagine inside of your garment, you've got a pocket. By the way, you know, when Malachi talks about um, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, men shall pour into your bosom or into your lap, it's talking about the inner pocket where you keep your wallet, right? Well, uh, doing something sexually immoral, Proverbs says it, you might as well pour a shovel full of coals into your chest pocket, and that would be painful and disastrous. But here's the thing, uh, love is, the cords of love are as strong as death. I mean, Song of Solomon 8, 6 has been used in wedding ceremonies along with 1 Corinthians 13. But um, this is a verse about commitment. This is a verse about uh, just the power of love. And, you know, Bert, uh, do you know what all the songs, art, literature, music, poetry, they're about two subjects predominantly, love and God. Isn't that something? Now, there's the love of a husband and wife for each other. There's the love of a believer for the Savior. But it's true. The most powerful forces in the world, love and obviously God. And so here, verse 6, the seal upon our heart, this speaks to the commitment levels and I want to say this, uh, your commitment to the Lord, your commitment to your spouse, that surpasses anything and everything else, doesn't it? It does. The seal denotes ownership. Do you remember in the prodigal son when he came home, the father said, put the ring on his finger because that was the idea of the family seal and given this ownership, given this uh, relationship. So the seal here, notice it's not just one a seal upon your heart that, as you said, Alex, your affections. Uh, You have only 
for one another, and there's no place for anyone else. Uh, when you have communication, there's five levels of communication. I won't go through them, uh, but one of them, the last one, is intimacy, and that is an intimate relationship in conversation in every way you have only with your wife or your husband, a male and female sharing together, a seal upon your heart, and then a seal upon your arm. That has to do with your actions, serving one another. And, and also it had the idea of protection. So here this seal has the idea of, of, of identifying and it has the idea of a protection. So this, that's what a husband and wife are to do. They're to identify. That's the reason the rings are upon their finger is I am taken. I belong to another. It's a sign to everyone else. My heart, my life belongs to the one that I'm married to. Both of them get those rings. They give those rings. They receive those rings. And then it operates in the area of actions. You demonstrate that. It's not enough to say it with words. Going back to, again, Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages, one of them I've already said was, was quality time, but another one is acts of service. So this idea of the seal upon your arm acts, Alex, has to do with serving one another, that, that we have time and we want to help them, we strengthen them, and find that area that would help them and, and put that seal around your heart that you only have room for your wife or your husband as far as a relationship like this and an arm that you serve one another. You're not waiting on them to serve you, but you're serving others. Jesus came not to Amen. be served, Alex, but to do what? To serve. To serve. I think we need to serve one another. He said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Well, hey, I'm going to comment very, very briefly, and I hope appropriately, on 8 through 10. Because Sol uh, Song of Solomon 8, 8 through 10, a lot of people have talked about, and here's basically what I'm going to say. Um, there, this is, in a way, looking back at brothers that were thinking about their, their sister or sisters who someday would grow up and be ready for, for marriage. Now, I'll let you all read this because it's uh, somewhat delicate language to our modern ears. Sounds a little strange. Now, in just two minutes, I, I want to make a connection here that a lot of commentators and godly exegetes have thought about over the years. Okay, um, in the family, a lot was um, invested in thinking about when the daughters would be of marriageable age, and they're talking about a little sister who will one day be able to get married, but until then... Uh, they protect her. Verse 9 speaks of the fact that they protect her. And then um, in verse 10, there is the time of age and maturity when a person is able that they don't need this protection. Now, Bert, I will grant that this is, it, it takes a little bit of uh, imagination to grasp this right now, but there have been commentators that have handled this text in light of the church. Now, what is uh, the brother looking after the vulnerable younger child. Well, that's like a mature Christian helping to shepherd and disciple a newborn believer that's, you know, at risk. Now, what's um, a woman able to nurse and care for children? That's like a pastor able to feed the milk of the Word. And, and 
uh, you got to understand, folks, this language that's very delicate and intimate language, in, in their time, it wouldn't have been thought of as salacious or anything like that. But just like uh, a baby being born is compared to a, a child getting saved or a person getting saved, being discipled and nurtured on the Scripture is compared to like a baby nursing on the milk of the mother. And so it's actually... Bert, I think it's incredibly beautiful language how the, the brothers look after the little sister, just like the Christian would look after the, the new believer. The pastor faithfully proclaims the Word of God, and just as, as if a pastor is not giving out the nutrition of God's Word, it would be like a woman not giving out uh, nutrition to the baby. But then 11 through 14 goes on, and it wraps up, and it talks about um, the vineyard that is be- that belongs to the husband and wife, Solomon the king, the Shulamite, the bride. And uh, there's hearing the voice, hearkening to the voice of the bridegroom, and then making haste that they would be together. Bert, this is, this is art. It is the Word of God. It is Scripture. But you know what? Song of Solomon has got to be one of the most beautiful pieces of love and truth Uh, ever put to paper. It is. And when you see this, as it comes into the climax, make haste, my beloved. What you want to look is here, how they shared with one another, how they talked with one another. So the communication was there. The actions were there. The looks were there. Only have eyes for your wife, men. Make a covenant with God, and I believe that that would be your desire, that God will grant you that prayer, and you'll dwell in it in wisdom. So, Alex, we're going to take phone calls in the last segment. That number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We'll be back with your questions right after the break. I just appreciate AFR spreading so much truthful news that helps me to know what's going on in my country and in my world. American Family Radio's Spring share is coming soon. We'll celebrate what God is doing through this ministry and ask you to support our efforts. I just really appreciate the godly perspective and truthfulness that I hear every day. Join us April 19th, 20th, and 21st for share on American Family Radio. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into 
one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The verses from Colossians I just quoted are immediately followed by, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. The delusion and deception of humanistic philosophy require its prey to become bitter, entitled, and unthankful. To remain impervious to deception, we must abound in thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving empowers us to reject the captivity of today's grievance culture. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You got pain, he's a pain If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, Jesus is the chain breaker. He sets us free, and it is Jesus whom we preach to you today on Exploring the Word. Well, the number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We would love to have your calls and your Bible questions. And, uh, Bert, do we have some calls up there now? And we certainly so, do, and we got okay. one from Mississippi, and it's Carrie. Carrie, welcome. Good evening, fellas. Good afternoon. Hello. How are you doing, man? I'm blessed. I'm well, going to tell y'all, everybody gets to listen to y'all, the good Lord blesses us, and I'm going to tell you, y'all are a blessing to all of us. Well, thank you. Hey, what part of Mississippi are you from? I'm from I'm from Aberdeen. Oh, yeah. I go to church in uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. My, our Mount Olive Baptist Church. We're having revival next week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And uh, our preacher is Brother Roland Dempsey. And uh, I'd like to invite everybody to uh, come attend with us for revival. We really need a revival right now. Hey, amen, Kerry. Alex, uh, you get to preach and speak. And are, are you seeing, uh, hey, we'll pray for Kerry. Matt Olive Baptist Church there, we're praying for you. And uh, pray God. Alex, are you seeing God move in some of your meetings? Oh, absolutely. You know, last week I was in uh, First Presbyterian in San Angelo, Texas. By the way, this Sunday I'm going to be in Landmark Baptist Church, Cincinnati. Pastor Matt Holman, Landmark Baptist, uh, Sunday. People are getting excited. People are getting hungry for a move of God. And, you know, Bert, uh, I spent the afternoon at a church here in North Carolina. Let me just say, not the most on-fire church I ever knew, 
and yet they are seeking revival. Uh, I never, never thought this particular church would get really urgently in prayer, seeking revival for the nation. So everybody listening, no matter where you are, revival involves obviously prayer, but then there's repentance where we confess our sins, we turn to Christ. Then there's evangelistic urgency, because when a a true move of the Holy Spirit takes place, we begin to think about lost people. But one of the fourth outflows, Bert, of a real move of God, prayer, repentance, evangelistic urgency, but there's also a renewed emphasis on the authority of the Word of God. Amen. And and listen, every last one of us, we can be a part of the awakening that I believe God is beginning to ignite within our country. Well, let's pray for that. Alex, uh, would you mind? Uh, we're praying for Carrie and their church, Mount Olive Baptist Church. Pray, pray that God would do that in churches, uh, that it would start. And man, it, you don't have to be a certain size church for it to start in your church. Uh, but man, you got to be ready. You got to be praying and really repentance, turn away from and turn to Christ. Alex, would you mind leading us in that prayer, brother? I'd love to. Let's all pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, uh, we thank you that you are the God who saves, but Lord, you're the God who can raise up the valley of dry bones. And Lord, I feel like our country, we are like that valley of dry bones and we need an awakening. So Holy Spirit of God, we we lay ourselves before you. Father God, awaken us. Ignite within each and every heart, each and every church, a fire of truth and a love for Jesus. Send a great awakening. Lord, give us the awareness and the obedience to repent from sin. Let us open up our soul before you and confess our sin, turn from it. Father God, let us tell our unsaved neighbors about Christ. Lord, I do pray for an awakening that would sweep a hundred million young people into the body of believers. They talk about millennials and younger. Maybe, maybe this is a hundred million plus of our country. So Jesus, we know you can do it, and we know that you care about the souls of people. So Lord, send a massive, massive evangelism movement. And Lord, we pray for unity within the body that we would all love each other regardless of the denomination or or whatever look any friend of jesus should be a friend of ours so we ask for revival we look to you for it and we thank you in advance in jesus name we pray lord amen amen thank you carrie thank you for uh that and we're praying that for all over america a lot of times and i'm hearing more and more people after the pandemic they coming back they want to have this series of 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 messages, and they're praying that it would be a renewal, revival. That's what we're praying. Let's go to Kentucky and talk to Steve. Steve, welcome. Hey, uh, Bert, Alex, how are you? Doing well, Good. man. Good, Good to, to hear, hear from, from you today. I love, I love you guys. I really do. Thank you. Back at you, brother. Yeah, um, I'm 70 years old. I'm retired, and so I go to uh, a large uh, Baptist church here in Lexington, Kentucky. And we, I just go to these men's Bible studies. And in one of these men's Bible studies, they're actually showing a movie series called The Chosen. I saw The Chosen a couple of times, and I told my wife, I said, this ain't right. I don't know. And at that time, I said, it didn't hit me as being right. There was something wrong about it. Then I, I heard about who made the movie or the TV series, and it's got a heavy Mormon, Mormon 
influence on it. I'm like, okay, if you had Mormons knocking on your door, would you let them in, invite them to sit down and share the gospel with you? And you passively sit there and listen to them? That's exactly what my church is doing. Okay, Steve. Alex, we've had this question on Chosen. Uh, I've seen good stuff in it, but I've also heard the concerns that Steve has. Do the good outweigh the concerns? You know, this is a a determination that everybody's going to have to uh, make for themselves. I mean, on the one hand, the, the Chosen series does seem to pretty faithfully go with the biblical narrative. Now, it puts some things in there that people have, um, you know, raised some eyebrows about, like the, the humanness of Jesus. And there are apparently, and I don't want to completely, you know, speak out of school here, but some of the producers um, are Mormon or have ties to the Mormon church in some way. And for that reason, I want to be very clear that the salvation plan, as exemplified by traditional Christianity for 2,000 years, and the uh, means of being right with God, as proclaimed by the Church of the Latter-day Saints since the mid-19th century, are different. Uh, and Galatians 1.8 talks about, even if an angel from heaven gives a different gospel, uh, let them be anathema. Nevertheless, um, I think adults can watch this and uh, see that it is, from all I've seen, um, pretty faithful to the Gospels. But again, I think, Bert, to the caller's concern, if it became a gateway or a, a tool to proselytize for something other than true Christianity, that, that would absolutely be cause for concern. Again, I've seen portions. I haven't seen all. I've read uh, some about it and uh, may have to spend time watching more of it to give an answer better than I can give. That's, uh, yeah, I would encourage people at least check out the first, the first program of it. Yeah, okay. Steve, thank you. Keep listening, brother. We appreciate your concern, and uh, we do want to raise those concerns. But at the same time, uh, we are doing everything we can to let the Word of God speak. The Word of God will speak if, if you put it out there, and uh, so we're praying God would use that. Let's go to Texas and talk to Stephen. Stephen, welcome. Oh, thank you. How are y'all doing? Doing well today, man. Um, I had a quick question about King Solomon. I know we've been uh, looking over Song of Solomon, and uh, I, my question is basically on the salvation of King Solomon. Uh, I know there's different thoughts on the on the matter, but I wanted to hear y'all's opinion on whether uh, we're going to see King Solomon in heaven someday. Okay, listen. That's a great question. It is. There are several people like that. We've talked about this, Alex, like the centurion at the foot of the cross. Surely this was the Son of God. He didn't say, oh, I've trusted him and I'm going to be with you. But I think that statement is stands enough on its own that we could declare that this centurion, I believe with all my heart, knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And when it comes to Solomon, you have, you have a fallen away. But it seems like if I understand the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's where I'm going to go, at the end of it, which I think is close to the end of his life, he came back around to where he started a trust in the lord yeah uh, i i agree and let's remember um in the old testament this is pre-calvary you know they 
in faith they looked to the promises of God and the Messiah that would come. Now, we're so blessed because we have just explicit, explicit knowledge of the gospel. At the end of Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the, the, the heroes of old had not yet received the promise. And what that meant is Jesus hadn't come yet, and they had just a little sliver of revelation to go on. But here's the thing. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 1.14, he realized that all the riches and all, all of the experiences of this world were vanity, chasing the wind. That's what he said. All, I, all I've been doing is chasing the wind. And then in Ecclesiastes 12, and this is at the end of his life, he talks about, here is the whole of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Um, I think, in fact, I'm certain of it. We will see Solomon in heaven because he, just like Habakkuk, just like Abraham, uh, they didn't know all that you and I know, but they trusted the God of Israel and they believed the promises of the God of Israel. And, uh, you know, Bert, it would be a number of centuries before Jesus would come and in John 3 say, you must be born again. Yep. Um, so we have explicit knowledge and we're accountable to put our faith in Jesus. But, um, yeah, somebody, a, a high schooler asked me this last Thursday when I was in Texas, will we see Adam and Eve in heaven? Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. Not because God, you know, cut them a break, but God made skins to cover their nakedness. Shed blood in doing it. He really and and they, they allowed that. So um, the Old Testament people responded to the revelation that they had. They did. Let me put Solomon and Samson, I believe. I, Samson, it talks in the Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, Hall of Fame of Faith. I believe they're in heaven. They're not examples to follow, okay? They're not the examples. And that's true with a lot of believers. Here's some uh, John Mark, he was right, and then he got off track. But praise the Lord, Barnabas worked with him long enough, got him back on track where he can be valuable. So if you're wandering out there right now, there was a time when you were serving the Lord and uh, your heart was turned away from the Lord. Come back to him. Do it now. Uh, like Solomon did, this is the whole duty of man. Come back to him. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Jeremy. Jeremy, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, brother, and I just wanted to ask a question. Uh, I know the best commentary for the Bible is the Bible itself. But is there a is there a book that I can purchase to study apologetics? And if so, what would be a good book to purchase? Alex, you got a good suggestion? I've got one that uh, you can find at alexmcfarland.com now. I'm just uh, yeah, promoting yeah. that one. And uh, I, let, let me, I'm going to name three right quick that would be uh, with varying levels of difficulty. Okay, my book. The Ten Most Common Objections to Christianity and How to Answer Them. Uh, it's the book with the big red X, the Roman numeral 10, published by Bethany House. The Ten Most Common Objections to Christianity and How to Answer Them. Okay, that's a great starting point. Then, to go deeper, here's a book published by InterVarsity Press, IVP, Handbook of Christian Apologetics. It's by a guy named Peter Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T. Uh, folks, it is phenomenal. Handbook of Christian Apologetics. But if you want to go really deep, I mean, if you want to, you know, uh, chew on the meat and the steak, the depth, 
Uh, there's a number of things I could mention, but I'm just going to say Christian Apologetics by Norman Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. I believe that's published by Baker Books. But those are three. If you only had three apologetics books in your library, uh, those three would make you pretty well pretty well equipped. Jeremy, hope that helps. Let's try to get one more call in in Texas. Chance, I, I just love this. I, uh, Marty put it up. Is God the God of Second Chances by Chance in Texas? Uh, that's great, brother. Go ahead. We hadn't got a lot of time. I just love that, is, though. Yeah. Is, is God, God the, the God of Second Chances? Yeah. Is that your I, question? I'm going to say no. Go ahead. I'm going to say no, Bert. Is that He's, your question, Chance? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, it was just a question on my mind. Uh, I listen. I listen to y'all's broadcast uh, pretty good, and y'all have helped me back uh, back to faith pretty good. Amen. Uh, it was just. It was just a question on my heart, especially during my struggle, and I'm sure it's a question on many who have the same struggle. Yeah. Well, at what I'm cutting you off. Uh, listen real carefully, Chance. We haven't got a lot of time. The reason Alex said he doesn't agree with it because I think it's more than two, isn't it? Alex, <laughs> uh, the, we're, we serve the God of 490. Amen. Matthew 18. Listen, praise the Lord. He is so merciful. And I, I'm glad Bert gave me time to finish it. Will God give me a second chance? Yeah, he'll give you a hundredth chance. But turn to Christ. His arms are open and his heart is open to each of us. Bert, aren't you glad that his mercies are new every morning? They are new, and I, I just want to tell you, Chance, I'm praising God. You came back to Christ. There are so many people that wandered. Uh, in the book of Second Timothy, when Paul was ending it, he said, Demas has left me because he loved the present world. There's no record of that Demas coming back to Christ. But mm. there's another record. Bring John Mark with you, Timothy, when you come. He is profitable for me right now. John Mark is the guy that failed on the first missionary journey. Paul didn't even want to come with him on the second, but God gave him a second and third. I believe it with all my heart. Yes, God is the God of second chances, Alex. Well, amen. Folks, you've been listening to Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex. We so appreciate it. We're going to be back tomorrow with more Bible and Bible questions. Bert, aren't we blessed that at this day there is such a thing, such a voice as the American Family Radio Network? We are, and keep listening and tell others about this program. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.